Uh, once again, welcome to Fieldstone. Good to see everybody. If we haven't met, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at Fieldstone, and you're walking into week two of a series called Basic. And Basic is one of those things that we do from time to time. Uh, you can look back at some of the old talks over the, the last couple of years on our website, and you'll see we, uh, at different times we talked about communion, we talked about baptism, we talked about the Holy Spirit, we talked about different things. And the goal is to take things that in many ways are very basic to our faith. They're fundamental, they're foundational topics when it comes to being a Christian, following Jesus. But at the same time, even though it's basic, even though it's fundamental, Sometimes it's difficult to do it. Sometimes it's difficult to live it. Sometimes it's difficult to understand it. And so we take a, a chance every, every year or so to dive into some different topics. And this year we're doing the Great Commission. Joe kicked it off last week, did a fantastic job. Make sure you go back and listen to that if you didn't catch it. Uh, but introducing the idea of this Great Commission that Jesus left behind and said, hey, I'm on my way to heaven. I've done my thing. I came. I did miracles. I taught. I left behind this message and we're building this kingdom. Now as I go... Here's what I want you to do. And we'll get into the specifics of that in a second. Um, but the thing about the Great Commission is it's a difficult balance to find within living that out. And, and really, churches uh, spend a lot of resources. They work really hard to find a way to, to express the Great Commission tangibly in a balanced way. And in my opinion, many of them fall short. Because here's what happens. You get churches uh, that find the growth and development side, and they really camp there. And their culture becomes very academic, right? They, they, they have the classes, they do the teaching, they have the lessons, all these different things. They want to make sure that people know what they need to know so they can do what they need to do. And that's great. But in the midst of that, it's easy to get in balance and forget about people who are still on the outside, people who still need to hear, still need to see, still need to experience what we've experienced in Christ. And so then what you get is churches who see that and they think, man, they're missing it. What about all the people going to hell? And so you get churches that we might label seeker sensitive, and they have a renewed focus and a renewed passion for people who need Jesus. And so they say, people got to know, they got to hear the message. We need to reach outside of ourselves. And that's fantastic. But a lot of times in the midst of that environment, they forget about the other side and they forget about growing. They forget about learning. They forget about teaching people and experiencing real tangible life change in the midst of accepting the gospel, in the midst of receiving Jesus into their life. And then you have other organizations that come around that are kind of outside of the circle and the umbrella of church, and they try to fill some of those gaps. And they say, okay, they're lacking here, so we're going to start this ministry that'll do that. And they're lacking here, so we're going to start this organization that'll do that, all in an attempt to find that balance. Now, everybody, obviously, the goal is to be balanced, to reach people who are far from Christ, and then as they come into the family of God and join a church, to be grown and developed and experience all that there is to be experienced in the life of Christ. So that's the goal. But, and, and many people are on the same page with that. I uh, had an opportunity to work at a couple churches over my life, and they have mission statements and vision statements as the church kind of incorporates some of the good things from the business world. And so the first one I worked at, it was such and such a church, reaching seekers, developing believers, right? Good balance. We got this side, we got that side. Everybody's on the same page. The second church was such and such a church to know Christ and make him known. Really nice, right? Just rolls off the tongue. Good mission statement. Got a little of this side, got a little of that side. We're all on the same page. But then uh, in another environment I, I was in, the very first leadership, church leadership kind of conference I went to, it's 21, 22, still kind of in that student intern type mode. Um, and it was actually a one-day conference, kind of a preview of a, a bigger conference that was coming. And we got some free tickets, so we went. And the guy that was speaking asked the question. He said, what was the overarching theme of Jesus' teaching? 
He's here on earth. He's healing. He's doing all this stuff. He obviously came to die. But when he was teaching, he had a lot of different things. What was the underlying theme of what Jesus was trying to communicate? And he started taking stuff from the crowd. Okay, here, here, here. And we're talking a room full of pastors, right? All guys with those cool mission statements like, we're going to reach, we're going to grow, and we're going to know, and we're going to make known. Everybody's headed in the same direction. And he took about 10 different responses, and all 10 of them were completely different. And I'm sitting there, I'm like 21, 22. I'm like, yikes, this is the world I'm stepping into. We're all, I think we're all on the same team. We all have the same heart and passion, but everybody's got a different idea of what Jesus actually came to do and what he wanted to teach. And so you have this tension of, I think we're all on the same page, but living it out and actually even measuring it in a tangible way is very difficult. Everybody comes away with different things. And so there's topics in the Bible. There's things that are so pivotal, so important, so basic and yet they're tough to nail down. And I think that the discipleship aspect of the Great Commission is one of those topics. I think if we took those same 10 pastors and they gave 10 different sermons on what it looks like to do discipleship, to make disciples, I think we'd probably hear 10 different angles, 10 different viewpoints, 10 different ideas, 10 different areas of focus. And you'd hear things about classes, You'd hear things about curriculum. You'd be, hearing, you'd be hearing answers to the question, who are the people that need this? What's the environment we need to create? How do we measure the win in that environment? And, and there's tension there. But if we don't embrace that tension, if we don't step into that tension and seek that balance, not only do we lose out on what a church is supposed to be, we lose out on really what each of us as believers is supposed to be. It's called the Great Commission for a reason. It is vital. It is important. And so it's worth wrestling with. And that's what we're doing through this series. And, and we'll go to Matthew 28. That's where we find uh, the great commission that Jesus left behind for us. And if you're newer to Fieldstone, if you walked in here, somebody invited, this is admittedly a very churchy type of a series, right? Kind of talking to those who have, who have stepped in already. They're in. They want, they want to know more about what this looks like to live it out. So if you're here and you're visiting, you get a sneak peek at all the stuff we're terrible at while we try to follow Jesus, okay? So, so Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, Jesus leaves this great commission behind. And he says, it says that Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and all authority on earth has been given to me. And so based on that authority, based on the power that I have, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And and Joe kicked that off last week and made a very important point. He said, within a verse, within a sentence, when it comes to the original language, there's a kitchen sink. And those of you who are construction-minded, Joe gave a great illustration. There's a kitchen sink, and everything gets built around that. And so there's a kitchen sink in a verse. There's a kitchen sink in that passage. And we often make it go, right? It's the first one, strong. You got that strong G sound. We're going to go. And and we build a lot of things around that. And, And in many ways, we think, man, I'm not as good of a Christian because I didn't go anywhere. Right? I didn't go to Russia. I didn't go to Korea. I didn't go to Nicaragua. And so we, we, we kind of build it around that. And that's an important aspect. Sometimes we are supposed to go, right? But sometimes we're supposed to stay. And what we look at that, that sentence, it, the focal point of that sentence, the kitchen sink, is make. Make disciples. And so when we read it correctly, it's actually as you go, make disciples. As you go to the grocery store, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you go to China, as you go around the corner, take your faith with you. Take the gospel with you. Take your faith in Jesus with you. 
And so today I'm going to focus on that second part of make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So the first question becomes, what's a disciple? Right? And the easy definition is just anyone who's taught, anyone who's instructed, someone who's a follower, someone who accepts someone's teaching, someone's doctrine, and helps spread that to other people. Basically, it's someone who said, someone who's decided in their heart, this is my new path. Right? Whatever I know, whatever I don't know, I'm in, I believe you, I'm committed to learning more, knowing more, doing more in pursuit of this path, this new direction. I'm going to go in your direction. And I don't know everything, but I know enough to know that I want to know more. Right? That's a disciple. And now, now, in our days, that could mean showing up to an internship every day. You're in. You, you want to know what that company is all about. You want to learn from them and the people that they put over you. That could mean doing an, an apprenticeship and learning a craft. That could mean simply subscribing to someone's podcast. You, you like the way they talk. You like the, like the things that they're saying. You like the, what gets passed on to you. And, and, and you religiously attend their conference every time they come to town. Being a disciple could mean simply scheduling a recurring coffee with someone, a recurring lunch, just the chance to pick their brain, hear their stories, glean some wisdom from them. You know, and maybe not so much these days, but being a disciple could mean walking for three years with a Jewish carpenter around first century Palestine, right? So disciple takes on a lot of different forms, but for our purposes, when it comes to the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, someone who believes in Jesus, and that's great, but how do we make those people, right? How do we make disciples, Certainly there's that element of sharing and telling them what the gospel's all about and inviting them to church and praying with them and praying for them. Of course, all that. But then what, right? Because certainly there's more to making disciples than simply getting them to believe, getting them to pray some prayer. There's more to it than that. So what does it mean to make disciples for the long term, to do discipleship? For some of you, you hear discipleship and you're thinking Sunday school, right? Discipleship happens in Sunday school. Some super old dude sitting around with a bunch of 12-year-old boys teaching them the Bible, right? That, for some of you, that feels like discipleship. For some of you, that's small groups. You sign up, you show up to somebody's house, you watch a video, you discuss it for 10 or 15 minutes, you do that awkward prayer at the end, and everybody's been discipled, right? That's, for some of you, that's what you've experienced of discipleship. For some of you, that's catechism. Somebody just got chills in the room, right? Like, you had to go through the classes and, and get to the end. You could do your first communion. It was this big celebration. So for you, discipleship means going through catechism. For some of you, discipleship is the, the daily bread magazine in your grandma's bathroom. And when you visit, you sit down and you just take a few minutes like, oh man, I feel refreshed. I feel discipled, right? For you. And so discipleship takes on a lot of different forms. But there's, there's an interesting theme uh, as we get further into the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul is writing these letters and, and, and so I want to read a few letters where Paul addresses this topic a little bit indirectly, but I think we can see a pattern of what discipleship may have looked like and, and just kind of the core of what this means. So, first passage is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can go there or it's going to be on the screen. I'm not going to be there super long, so um, unless you were the champion at sword drills grow, uh, growing up, you're going to miss it. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm talking to all the churchy people this morning, so uh, just excuse the inside jokes. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. That's 2 Thessalonians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
And you'll recognize this passage. We use it whenever we do communion. It's, it's Paul uh, uh, recalling how Jesus explained to him what communion is supposed to look like and all those things. So 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And then it goes on and talks about the giving of the bread and the giving of the juice. We can go a few pages over to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verse 3. And he says again, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. So that's how he sums that up. But here's the thing. Did you pick up on the theme other than the fact that I had it underlined on the screen? Things were passed on. Passed on. What we received, we passed on to you. What was told to us, we passed on to you. What Jesus taught us, we passed on to you. What we've experienced, we've passed on to you. Take hold and take care of and guard what's been entrusted and what's been passed on to you. And so here you have this new community of believers, this, first, this New Testament church, this first century thing that's going on, this new truth, this new way, this following of Jesus. And people were discipled, people were encouraged, they were grown, all because other people were learning and growing and experiencing and witnessing and passing on what they had. And so when it comes to discipleship, it becomes very simple. When it comes to making disciples, we're simply called to pass on what you know. Pass on what you know. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, Justin, I don't know much, right? Like maybe, maybe uh, you were watching uh, a, a TV preacher this morning and you got saved right before you showed up today. And you're like, I don't know anything. I just know I believe. Well, here's the thing. That, that uh, church in Acts, they didn't know anything either. They didn't have First and Second Corinthians. They didn't have Jude. They didn't have Revelation. They didn't have the dragons to figure out, right? All they had was the simple gospel. Jesus came. He was the Messiah. He lived. He died. And he rose again. And now he's gone. That was what they knew. And so when people asked them what's going on, all they said was, I don't know, but I believe in Jesus. And you should too, right? Like that, that's all they had. And so what they had, they passed it on. But then over the years, we learned more, right? More letters came along from Paul and some of the other apostles, and we learned more. And so people learned more and passed that on. And so then seminaries started springing up, and people could become more and more educated on it, and they could pass that on. And then commentaries got written, and people could really study what was going on. And then you had uh, Bible colleges, and you had uh, uh, study Bibles that came along with the notes right there. Some of you have a big column next to the verses telling you what it all means. And so now there's a lot of people who know a lot of different stuff that we can pass on. But you might still say, Justin, what, what do I know? Right? Because here's what we get stuck in. We get stuck, stuck thinking that discipleship and making disciples is simply get them saved and then sit down with a Bible and, re, and talk them through that. Now, that might be part of it, but you have a lot more in you than just the ability to sit at the table and go through Scripture, as important as that is. What you are is a collection of experiences. This is your life. Doesn't look very impressive at this point, but it'll, it'll, it'll turn out okay. These are things that you've done things that you've not done. These are relationships that you've experienced. These are people that you've met or not met. This is success in your life. These are the failures in your life. These are things that you've learned. These are things that maybe you wish you learned and wish you experienced. These are miracles that you've seen, things that you've witnessed, things that you've experienced. 
that make up who you are. Pass that on. Okay? Some of you have been married. This little figurine used to be one piece, but it broke. So if that's not, a, not an illustration of real life, then I don't know what is. But some of you are married. Maybe some of you were married and for whatever reason experienced divorce. Maybe you got remarried. Okay? You've been there. You've walked that road. You know about marriage. Right? Some of you have kids. You've faced the dreaded pregnancy test. Yours came out positive. Mine was kind of confusing because when we had our first kid, it came up two negatives. So Kathy sent me into the bathroom. She's like, go look and see what it says. And I was like, no, two negatives. She's like, two negatives means a positive. It was crazy. But anyways, some of you guys have kids. Still very traumatic in my life. Some of you have kids. Some of you have parented very well. Some of you, maybe you'd say not so well. Some of you have walked alongside a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter and watched them drift and watched them struggle and prayed for them to come back. Some of you are still in that mode. Some of you, the sight of a pregnancy test immediately creates a feeling of pain and loss in your life because you've taken way too many of these and gotten the, the, the result that you didn't want. But you've been there. You've walked that road. You've talked with God in those situations. You've yelled at God in those situations. You've thanked God through those situations. You've been there. You've, you've seen it. You've done it. And you know what it's like to experience that. Some of you have been hired. Some of you have been fired. Some of you have been, uh, gotten to use the great parking spot for a couple weeks because you were employee of the month. You've been promoted. You've been demoted. You've been given a raise. You've had money taken away from you. You've had to switch jobs. You've been rewarded. And depending on your boss, maybe you've been cussed out. But you've been there. You've walked that road. You know what it's like. You know. Some of you had some big-time leadership opportunities. You're the boss. I'm the boss right now, and it feels really good. <laughs> I only have one person to boss around, but it's going to my head, I promise you. But you've had some opportunities to lead. You've had people under you, people younger, maybe not as far in your journey. Maybe you leapfrog somebody. You've had some opportunities to influence, and so you know what that's like. You've walked that road. You've experienced that. You've been there, done that, and you know. You know what it's like to be the boss. Some of you like to play the market, right? You've invested, maybe an IRA, maybe a 401k, you've done something, and you've, you've ridden the ups and downs. Some of you came through Black Friday back in the 80s. We've all kind of walked through the recession of the last decade or so. But you've been there, right? You've made money, you've lost money, you made some good calls, you made some bad calls. Some of you, you've never done any investing, you're going paycheck to paycheck, and you're thinking, I am, not an, I am not an expert on money, I don't know about that, but I dare you to sit down with a 20-year-old and talk to him about, about money, and you're going to find out you're kind of an expert. Because they're still trying to figure it out, right? You've been there, you've done that, you've walked that road, you know. Some of you are travelers, you've been to all 50 states, you've been out of the country, you've been to a different continent. I'm not talking about Canada, right? That doesn't count. You've been there. You've, you've been through security. You've been through customs. You've had delayed flights, canceled flights. You've had to rent a car and drive the rest of the way. You've been through some stuff. You know what travel's all about. You've tried food you shouldn't have tried. You drank the water when you shouldn't have drank it. And so you have some things to pass along on that. You've, you've been in those situations. You've faced the temptation of being on the road a lot. And what comes with that? You've been there. You've done that. You've walked that road. You know. 
some things about travel. You've handled conflict. Family, friends, neighbors, with coworkers. You've handled conflict with the IRS. Some of you have handled conflict with the township or with the subdivision association president. You've been in those situations where you've had to have difficult conversations, defend yourself, attack somebody in a healthy way. You've been in those situations where there's tension, sometimes healthy, sometimes unhealthy. You've had to deal with those situations in the most biblical way you can think of. You've walked that road. You know. You all have some type of a spiritual background. right? You've wrestled with faith. Some of you grew up in it. Some of you got burned and walked away. Some of you got stronger and came back. Some of you have dealt with the doubts. You've been there. You've talked to God through those situations. You've sought scripture through those situations. You've had people speak wisdom in your life through those situations. And looking back, whether it's financial or family-related or work-related or travel-related, whatever it is, you've seen God work in your life through those situations and through those seasons. So there's some things that you know, some things that you've seen, some things that you've heard, some things that have been poured into your life, things that have changed you, things that have sharpened you, things that have hurt you. You are a unique combination of all the things that God has done in you and through you. So pass it on. And that phrase, that that phrase passed on in each of those verses, if you break it down, it's pretty obvious what it means. It means delivered. And if you look even further, it means given into the hands of another. It means turned over for someone else's use. It means delivered to someone, something they can keep and take care of. And so take those things and pass it on and point to Jesus. Because really, this has to be more than just money information. That's helpful. That's mentorship. It's more than just travel. It's more than just conflict. It's seeing those things through the lens of what Jesus would want and what he's teaching us and what his word says. And so pass it on and point to Jesus. It's allowing someone to use what you've learned, use what you've acquired, to take what's been yours and make it theirs. It's allowing what you know to become something that they know. It's allowing something that's transformed you and drawn you closer to Jesus and allowing that to transform them and draw them closer to Jesus got to pass it on. So there's some important things to keep in mind. Just a, a couple practical questions to ask as you're, as you're thinking through what this looks like to make disciples. Maybe there's some faces in your head. Maybe there's some names in your head of people that you want to reach out to or even just trying to prepare yourself for someone God might bring your way. Just a couple thoughts to keep in mind along this idea of passing it on. So we're trying to make disciples. We're trying to disciple others. But first, in order to disciple others, we must first be disciples. What are you doing to make sure you look more and more like Christ every day? Are you learning from others? Are you learning from your preacher, from other preachers, from books, from conversations, from coffee? Are you connecting with people who are further ahead in life than you? And some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm super old. There's nobody beyond me, right? But here's the thing. There's people beyond you in certain aspects of life. There's people beyond you when it comes to certain topics that you wrestle with. So find someone who's further ahead and pick their brain. And here's a strong encouragement. When it comes to your faith, don't be a one-trick pony. We all know those people, like they learned something 25 years ago, they experienced something 25 years ago, and they regurgitate that like it's their job, right? They have that one thing, and it comes up in conversation at dinner, and they're like, 
It's time. And they pull out their story and they pull out this thing that they learned long, long time ago, just over and over again. I had a coworker one time, God bless him, he's a great guy. And his job at the church we were at was along the lines of stewardship and financial things. But the dude was obsessed with Financial Peace University. And I love it. FPU is great. We did it here last winter. We'll do it again this winter. Amazing content. It can change your life. But this guy, man, he, we, he would set up meetings with me and we thought, all right, hey, you know anybody that can get in this next class? We really need to push it. It's super important. can transform lives. I'm like, absolutely. I'll help you out with that. I'll do what we can do. We'll talk to some of the families. We'll get them in. And then I'd come back a few months later and be like, listen, they have this FPU for teenagers. I think you guys need to incorporate it. You need to use it. You need to have a class. You need to have a small group on it. I'm like, all right, I can get that. It's great few months later, hey, they got this FPU for two-year-olds. We're, we, like, we got to hit them young. This is important. This is going to change the world. Our church will never be the same. If we get these toddlers into FPU right away, they'll gain these principles. Like, bro, you need another line, right? Like, you need another thing. At one point, he pulled me in. He's like, listen, I've been thinking about financial peace. I'm like, oh, really? I'm surprised. He's like, I think this is the one topic that your teenagers need. If they're like, this is it. This, this is the thing that's going to set the tone. And I said, I said, man, like, I got kids who are cutting themselves. I got kids who are experimenting with drugs. I got kids who hate their parents. I got kids who hate their lives. And you're telling me the FPU is going to fix all that? I don't think so. It's important. But he was a one-trick pony. That's all he had. Like, that was his go-to. We can't be like that. What are you learning today? What's new about you today? What have you learned lately? What what are you incorporating into your life and into your walk with Jesus lately? Is there anything new about you since you were younger? Has anything changed ever? Are you living on what happened then? Are you regurgitating what you learned 25 years ago? You have to be a disciple if you want to make disciples. Before we pass anything on, we have to be someone that God wants replicated. Your life has to match up with the words that you're saying and the things that you're passing on. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist said to the religious elite, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You've professed faith. You've you've said that you believe. Now your life has to match up. Jesus said in John 13, they're going to know your mind by the way you love each other, by the way you live this out, by the way things are different with you. When we're making disciples, we're saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved glory yet. But this, I've, I've seen some things, I've done some things, and if you learn from me, you're going to do better. If you look a little bit more like me, you're going to be better, right? We have to be able to say that with a clear conscience, knowing that we look the way God wants us to look. So that's number one. Second thing is, in, in, in order to disciple others, we have to get over ourselves. Here's the thing, if you're following Jesus, if you're growing, if you're maturing, and this isn't about you anymore. You can't become a career student. We all know those people, right? They, they get their degree, which is fantastic. They get their master's, which is fantastic. They get the next master's, which is fantastic. Then they get the PhD, and they're done with that. Like, all right, where are you going to go with this? Uh, there's, um, I need to get this now. I'm gonna, I mean, and they just spend their whole life going to class. There's nothing wrong with class, nothing wrong with education, but at some point, you've got to do something with it. You certainly have to be filled in order to pour out. That's true. But some of us are overflowing onto the pavement and we're just making a mess. 
See, the goal is that you have this source. You have the source of truth in Jesus. You have God pouring into us, growing us, developing us, helping us understand more fully through the power of his Holy Spirit. And that overflows into somebody's bucket. And their bucket fills up, and it overflows into your bucket. And your bucket overflows into somebody else's bucket, and so on and so on. And that's great, but overflowing is only beneficial if you're overflowing into someone else's need. Otherwise, you're just a leaky bucket making a mess wherever you go. And so if you ever find yourself thinking about your need, and that is something we need to do, but when you find yourself thinking about your need, it should always be accompanied by an evaluation of what you're investing into someone else's need. If we're going to make disciples, we've got to get over ourselves a little bit. So, number one, we've got we to be disciples. Number two, we have to get over ourselves. And number three, in order to develop others, in order to disciple, we have to put ourselves in places where discipleship might be needed. You've got to be in a good spot, right? I don't care if you're talking about hunting or fishing or recruiting for the military. I don't care if you're drilling for oil or looking for a date. You've got to be in a place where they can know you and see you. It's true in any area of life. It's certainly true when it comes to making disciples. Justin, I really have a heart for the lost. Then why are you always hanging out with church people? Justin, I, just, I love kids. I, I, I just have a real passion to see them grow in Christ and hear the gospel. Then stop hanging out with adults all the time. You got to be somewhere where there might be a need. You got to put yourself in a position where you might even accidentally come across people who need to hear what you know, see what you've seen, experience what you've experienced, and learn what you've learned. That might mean leading a small group. That might mean serving with our kids or with our students. That might mean serving at Compassion Ministries here in Milan or Hope Clinic in Ipsy, uh, ministry partners of ours in this area. That might mean taking the daily wave with your neighbor across the street and turning, turning that into a conversation. That might mean volunteering in your kid's lunchroom. That might mean taking a coaching job. That might mean peer tutoring. It might mean going to the Bible study at your school. It's putting yourself in that situation where something might happen and you'll have an opportunity to make a disciple, to pass on what you know, to share your life with someone and point to Jesus through that. And this is a conversation between Kathy and I even, because I, I would say we're both terrible. She's not here to defend herself. She's in the nursery holding babies right now. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll come at her, because she, she runs a travel basketball program. So I'll say, Kathy, I think it'd be really important to try and make this available to kids who maybe can't afford it, right? Because travel sports is expensive. It, it's, ti- it's time consuming. So where are the kids that have talent that maybe just can't do it? And she'll come back with, well, when was the last time you hung out with non-church people? And I'll look back at her and I'll say, shut up. Because <laughs> I always win, right? <laughs> we have to put ourselves in positions, in places, where what we have might be needed, where what we've experienced might add some value to somewhere else, where what God has brought us through might help someone else come through what God's taken them through. And band's going to come and, and close with one more song, but... Whatever you have, whatever you know, whatever you've experienced, pass it on and point to Jesus. This is the way it's always been. You can talk about family traditions. You can talk about education. You can talk about athletics. And it's same with the joy and same with the power and same with the transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just us knowing. It's us growing 
and then pouring out into those who are coming behind us. And it can be as formal as a class, it can be as formal as a textbook or a sermon, but can be just as simple as sharing what's been given to you. But no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, you have so much inside of you. And if you hoard that, if you hang on to that, you're going to wish you had passed it on. And when you do that, you're going to be glad you did. Let's stand and pray as we sing this last song. God, first, just thanks for the simple gospel that you have given to us. God, you didn't ask us to find you. You didn't ask us to figure it out. You came and you made it so simple for us by sending Jesus to die for us. And all we have to do is believe. All we have to do is accept that. And God, we want other people to experience that too. We want them to understand and know and experience that simple gospel. And so, Father, I pray that not only would you give us opportunities to make disciples, but God, you would give us the courage to see it take those opportunities and take that step and initiate that conversation and share that story and pass on what we know because of what you've brought us through already. Father, we love you. And as we close this service, I pray that you would mess with our hearts in the best way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.